0: Because they do allow people to get away from the really busy, hectic spaces that we're in nowadays, and the very uh, work-driven culture that we have, they bring people out into those um, quieter, more peaceful areas. But also, when people are able to see the plants and the animals around them, they feel connected to you know something larger than just those busy workspaces that we have. So blood pressure gets lowered, I mean, you just simply even have fresh air and sunlight, and you know, sunlight brings you vitamin D, and so there, there are truly a lot of different ways that uh, the trails can bring that aspect of health to the people using them.
1: From the Lake County Forest Preserves in Libertyville, Illinois, it's Words of the Woods. I'm Brett Pito. Exactly 204 miles of trails thread through nearly 31,000 acres of forest preserves in Lake County. Many are gravel, some are paved, some are mowed grass, and some are wood chip trails. Making connections between communities is key. Helping visitors map their adventures is important too. Today, you'll hear from Michael Haug, landscape architect, and Nick Spittelmeister, GIS analyst we'll discuss how we build and map these trail systems, which allow thousands of people to access nature on a daily basis. Michael and Nick, welcome to the studio. Thank you, Brett. Thank you, Brett. I mentioned briefly the, the, the total mileage of trails that we have throughout the county, but before we get into trail features and, and more specific things, it's apparent that we place quite a bit of importance on trails. And for me, it begs the seemingly simple, but almost certainly deep question. What are some of the reasons that trails are valuable to Lake
0: County residents? Probably the primary is the connection with nature. And so trails are the best way that we can bring the residents of our county into the lands that they helped preserve. And they create an opportunity for people to connect with our natural and cultural heritage and to see the different types of landscapes, plants, and animals that they have helped. Um, They give a different perspective on our county and a refuge from our busy, everyday lives to ones that they may maybe never have seen before. Uh, Trails are also free and open to the public, so all kinds of visitors can access them. Uh, The second reason would be health. And research has shown that there are health benefits of outdoor recreation on mental, emotional, and physical health. And there's even some medical practitioners that are now prescribing time in the outdoors to improve their patient's health. And one of our agency's programs is the Rx for Health. And with that program, one can join a health professional and an educator for a walk to explore the preserve and to improve one's health. Uh, A third reason is economic vitality. So trails influence where people want to live, work, and play. Uh, They have also influenced where companies locate their offices because trails impact the quality of life uh, of the communities in which they are located. Uh, So they truly contribute to the vitality of Lake County communities, and they bring people of all backgrounds and age groups outdoors. And a fourth reason is transportation. So some of our trails that are longer regional trails or those that connect to systems outside of our preserves offer an alternate and sustainable form of transportation. So trails are a good symbol for how we are helping our county to be connected, healthy, vital, and sustainable.
2: From a mapping perspective, I like to think of trails as the connector of like a lot of things to road, to a community, um, to a body of water. Um, They bring you to a place so you can experience it. And that is so much different than many of our other things that are connecting, you know, maybe one community to another. This is actually taking you closer than you could get with a road to a body of water or through a woods. There's a lot of different types of connectivity when we're thinking about trails. I like to
1: keep going on that on that theme of connectivity because our trails are multi-use. They're open for hiking, jogging, biking, horseback riding, cross-country skiing, snowmobiling, and also just relaxing on a trail side bench. Uh, this lends itself well I think, and as we've sort of touched on, to building community, to serving as a space for people to gather and enjoy nature and each other's company. Have either of you noticed different
2: sorts of groups meeting in the preserves for recreation? Yeah, I, you know, spent a lot of time on the Des Plaines River Trail, and you can just see there's groups, there's people by themselves. Um, There's just the person with uh, binoculars or someone with a camera, but you also see the biking clubs, the 20, 30 people going up and down the trail. So there's a lot of different types of use by just a myriad of of different groups out there. It's really interesting to see all that different types of use.
0: Yeah, I've also seen a number of groups that uh, serve the youth uh, of our county. So some are actual school groups on field trips, Uh, some are groups that serve children with special needs and they are out on the trails. Uh, sometimes they'll visit you know, once a month. Uh, so it's, it's very fulfilling to see certain groups that have folded that into how they choose to serve, you know, parts of the community. But then certainly I've seen yoga groups and, <laughs> you know, I've seen other sort of meetup groups. Uh, so it, it is uh It is truly a kind of a free and open space where lots of people
1: can come to. We in public affairs often receive questions about certain trail features, such as where you can find paved trails or ADA accessible trails, for example. Do you mind sharing some insight on those and any other frequently asked about components? I see you have a a spreadsheet with some features there.
2: Yeah, so um, just throwing out... um, some of the mileage that we have in the different types of trails, gravel or what we call crushed limestone screenings is our most common type. We have over hundred and forty miles of, of crushed limestone trails that are those are our multi use trails where you can you can run on those, you can walk, you can you can bike usually in most cases on those trails. Um, those are also used for snowmobiling in the winter, horseback riding. Many of those trails are also open to horseback riding. Um, our second most common is uh, our asphalt trails. We have about 26 miles of, of asphalt trails and those are unique too because they're they're accessible. Um, and, and also you can do things like rollerblading, things like that on those trails.
1: Michael, I'm curious about the trail development process, really from beginning to end. Say we're standing out in an oak woodland we've recently acquired, and we want to build a trail there from point A to point B. How do you generally go about proceeding from open landscape to a finished stretch of trail? I understand that entails a lot of components, I'm sure.
0: Yes, so there's, there's really three phases to the process. And the first one is the master planning phase, the second is the design development phase, and then the third is the construction phase. So in the very beginning with the master plan phase, uh, there's a combination of collecting existing site information. So actual surveying may be performed to find the existing location of wetlands and mature and valuable trees and It's also combined then with actually walking the site and just looking at it and trying to imagine the best possible visitor experience. So what are some of the natural features that we might be able to bring the visitors to come and see? And uh, so there might be different types of plant communities where we'd like them to be able to experience some of the woodlands and then some of the wetlands, some of the marshes. And then once we have that generalized route figured out. We then go into the design development phase and we look for that route that would have the lightest touch on the land. So if we know we want to bring people over a wetland, we will design in a boardwalk. And if we know that we would like to bring them through the woodlands, we'll look for the trees that we we don't want to impact their root systems. So we'll stay a far enough distance away from them or use special trail building methods that don't involve you know, impacting those routes. Um, and then we'll, w- we'll work with engineers and architects as well for stormwater management design. And then all that goes into uh, construction plan set. And then the final phase is the construction, where we go out for, for public bidding and actually build the ideas. You mentioned having...
1: Uh, as light of a touch as possible as you're moving through these these natural areas, and the preserves, of course, are home to stunning scenery and valuable wildlife and plant communities. How do we balance providing public access with preserving natural resources? You touched on it a little bit, but
0: would you mind expanding? Sure. so uh, one of the one of the techniques is to use wetland buffers, for instance. so, for instance we might try to stay 100 feet away from a wetland um, and there also might be ways to view a woodland uh, without necessarily having to go fully within it and throughout it. Um, sometimes we will if the, if the site is fully wooded then that's it's going to be something that you pass through but there's also a trail building method that we've used where we don't excavate down, we simply put out a landscape fabric and then put the stone base and other trail materials on top of that. And then in that way, we aren't um, actually impacting the roots of the trees.
1: Nick, this is probably um, another big question in well, maybe a series of, <laughs> of big questions today, but how do we keep track of 204 miles of trails? How do we put them all on the map, literally?
2: Yeah, so it's a, it's a little bit of a process. Um, we, we really start with, um, with the designers like Michael. They provide people like me in the GIS world the design files that we can you know, use to put into a, a larger database to To uh, that contains all of our trail mileage or all of our trail paths, um, and a lot of other things that are along the trails, like benches and overlooks and all that type of um, all those type of features. We take those design files, and um, we may take them out in the field and and check them or get what we call an as-built that a survey company has done. Um, after the construction process is done, and we bring that into what we call geographical information systems or GIS, which is a computer mapping program or software system. And we take that in and we digitize it and we add information to it. So we add a lot of what we call attribute information. Um, so those are all of the different uses that are allowed for a trail, the surface type, such as gravel or asphalt or wood chip. Um, the, the trail name uses um, and when it was built um, maybe um, even the condition of those trails uh, we add all that information in um, and then we publish it um, to an online um, system and we make that available through the, through, um, through the website through an interactive trail map and that um, that can be queried and that information can be looked up so that the public can see, see that information and also use it for locating and finding themselves on the trails through, through um, use on mobile phones. You just mentioned uh, the
1: interactive trail map, which I find to be a really awesome and crucial resource for public access, especially if somebody is looking for a new preserve they've never been to before and they want to have an expectation of what they're going to find there. How did how did the Forest Preserves develop the interactive trail map? That seems like a pretty complex
2: tool. Yeah, it was a long process. It, it took us over a year to develop the interactive trail map, and it, it really started with creating a a a trail file of creating a a a map of all of our trails we um prior to the interactive trail map we had a lot of our trails mapped but we didn't have a one file that contained all of our trails so we had a lot of different pdfs a lot of different printed maps of all our different trails um, in a lot of different forms and a lot of different types of, of data. So using geographical information systems, we combine those together to, to make it more easy to create that type of a map because you have to have it all connected in one space um, in one system to be able to have that. That available to the public in that form. So it, it was a long-term process, and it was something that, that I'm working with public affairs, working with planning, our planning departments. It was something that we heard that that we needed. It was one source to get this information and then be able to have it public. And from a staff perspective, it's really useful. I hear from staff all the time, hey, we use this you know, to be able to map our hikes for education purposes when we do those type of naturalist-led hikes. But we can also see that the public uses it a lot. We've had um, over 50,000 hits over the past two years that's been out. So it's a very popular way to to create your experience and to be able to know where you're going before, but maybe even find something that you didn't know existed. Um, There's a lot of information out there, like we have 200 miles of trails, but we also have all of our other site amenities and activities throughout the forest reserves on there, too. So it's more than just a trail map. And it's available
1: on desktop, but also on your smartphone, yep. on a tablet.
2: Right. Yeah, right. you can access it through, your, through multiple ways, like you're saying, through the desktop. You can print a map out there from it you can do a lot more on the desktop site as far as querying and looking things up on there but you can also take it out with you um in the field when you're walking and it, you can actually use the my location button to get your location in the field so if you're lost in the forest reserves or if you're you just don't know where you're at or you want to Try to track yourself. If you're out there. You can you can have it walk with you, so so you always know where you're at, or you can use it to maybe locate something that's close to you also when you're out there.
1: And I'm sure the digital map is easier to update in real time than a paper map that's out at a out at a kiosk that needs to be redesigned, reprinted, transported out there. So it it not only makes us more eco friendly, it also makes us more responsive to Developments going on actually in the preserves. Yeah,
2: right. That's a really great point. Um, We're constantly making changes to our trail system. It's it's a living thing. You know, we're we're not just standing pat. You know, we're we're updating. We're adding new trails all the time. We've added a number of trails this year already to our system. Um, So it's great to be able just to. Get the design file from Michael. Put that into the system. A Couple clicks later, we have a have a new trail on the trail map. You don't have to print out this map, send it to a company to print it out, and get all that out and out at the preserve. So it saves us a lot of time and effort. You know, it makes it a lot more streamlined. And also, I think there's a other component to it. It's just safety related there too. Is having something is up to date because PDF maps or maps that are printed out can be easily out of date pretty quickly some of them might have an old version and they get out there and they're like "Wow, oh, I didn't even know this trail and they get off you know we have that so here is a map that's usually instantly updated you know as soon as the trail is open the trail opens at 6 30 on a Friday morning we have that ready to go the night before and it's up there and ready for the public to access it
1: One exceptional example of the model trail development process that you discussed before, Michael, is the award-winning pedestrian bridge installed in 2017 at Middle Fork Savannah in Lake Forest. Can you speak to that project a bit for us? Sure.
0: That was a, a really awesome project because it was in an area of the community that was bisected by a train line. And On one side, you had public parks, residential communities, and a high school. And on the other side, you had our Middle Fork Savannah Forest Preserve, uh, but also uh, nature preserves that belong to Lake Forest Open Lands, uh, Elowah Farms, and their Discovery Center. So a really interesting nature-based facility. And then to the north was also a connection to a regional trail, the North Shore Bike Path but all of these different things were bisected and and disconnected and you had some folks dangerously crossing the train tracks on their own or or lugging their bikes on their shoulder over the train tracks to get from one side to the other. Uh, People who were commuting to work were, were doing that sometimes. So we put in a new pedestrian bridge over the train tracks and it was able to connect all of those things on both sides. And it just, again, it adds to that vitality of that community. But it enables people to more easily experience all those, you know, really cool features and options if they chose to visit the preserve. I remember and this
1: this this occurred maybe a few months after I started working here in public affairs. I remember the the installation process of that bridge was maybe a bit atypical for <laughs> yes, it for was. some other projects.
0: Yes, because the train line is not only a commuter train line, but also a freight line. There are trains that come through all through the night as well so we had a very tight window of when we could actually place the bridge structure Uh, and it was two in the morning and two very large trains on either end to lift it up over existing trees and then down into place and it was still actually hanging by the cranes when the first freight train came through so i sometimes wonder if the engineer actually realized that uh that bridge that he just went underneath was actually not attached to any foundations yet <laughs> but uh yeah so that was that was a fun that was a fun installation
1: that bridge also has has some uh
0: history beyond the forest preserves too though doesn't it it does so Portions of Middle Fork Savannah were part of the Ogden Armour Estate, and the bridge was originally designed by O.C. Simons, uh, a very significant landscape architect. Uh, Portions of the estate were also designed by Jens Jensen, another really significant landscape architect in local and national, national history. That crossing point was originally a bridge that was part of the residential entry drive as the homeowners and, and guests would make their way past the wetlands and forests and, and to the original estate home. Uh, so we used the same location, and there are remnants of that original bridge that we maintained, and they're on site, and you can see them from the trail and the bridge, and uh, they make for interesting ruins that you can look at and uh, still get in touch with with that history piece of the site.
1: As staff who design and map our trails, I figured it would be an, an interesting uh, Point of discussion to find out what each of your top three favorite trail routes in the preserves were. Because often when I ask other staff this question of what their favorite trails are or their favorite preserves, sometimes there will be overlap. Quite a few people say Daniel Wrightwoods down in Meadowah or Rowan Savannah out in Grays Lake, but often it's for completely different reasons. Sometimes it's for the bird watching, sometimes it's for they really like that that loop that they can bike around a few times and then head off on the Displains River Trail. Nick, would you mind giving us one of your favorite
2: routes? Yeah, my probably my most favorite trail in our system, and it's a fairly short trail. is um, a wood chip trail, and it's located at McDonald Woods on the west side of the preserve. It goes through uh, an old uh, pine plantation, and it has a really um, There's a really cool natural feel to it. It goes up and down a ravine. It's about a mile long. Um, You can access it from the McDonald Woods um, trailhead parking lot off of Grass Lake Road, or you can hike the Millennium Trail from Bonner Farm to meet it. So you can incorporate it into a larger trail system, but... You get out there, and there's a lot of boardwalks that have been out there for a while that were that were built by our Youth Conservation Corps, and it's just a really cool feel, and it's really fun to run if you like to that type of trail running experience. Like I said, it's not a real long trail, but it, you know, it's enough that it's really really fun to to be able to get out there and enjoy that trail. How about you, Michael?
0: Uh, I guess one of them that I really enjoy. Uh, it's hard to pick one because I have a, a lot of favorites, but uh, the Lake Overlook Trail at Fort Sheridan is a newer trail. And that one, it's a great option for visitors with different abilities. So not everyone can navigate the trail that we have that goes down to the lakeshore. Uh, so this trail has, it offers an accessible route to an outstanding overlook uh, with a view out to Lake Michigan. So it's been Wonderful to see wheelchair users, special recreation groups, veterans, and families with young children or with grandma and grandpa with them all going out there to see the lake. Uh, but I also really love the Desplaines River Trail uh, because it is over 30 miles long and it connects over 10 preserves, as Nick mentioned earlier. So it's really accessible to a lot of different people and a lot of different communities but you can do the trail for a while and then you can pop into one of the forest preserves and you can really sort of mix and match with that one and i also like nipper sink forest preserve because it has a nice trail loop around a lakes complex but it goes through century old oak groves and over wetlands and and through marshes and then it's got picnic shelters and fishing piers so you can also weave in some other you know fun experiences you know along with the trail and it has a literary, it has a book trail as well, uh, where you can, there's seven different panels and it's a walking exhibit called Miss Maple. And so it tells a story about nature and then each panel has suggested activities that help readers explore the nature around them while they're on site. Nick, did you have any other
1: favorites to share?
2: Yeah, two uh two other ones that, and one of them is kind of one that Michael said is the Plaines River Trail to me is, of our regional trails, it's our our main focus. It's our one of our longest trails. It's thirty one miles long. Um, you know, it goes through a lot of different areas. I I've, I've run this trail, bike ride this trail a lot. Um, and you, like we were saying before, you, you see and Michael was saying, is you can connect to a lot of different places. You can go from Van Paten Woods way up in the northern part of the county. You can go all the way down um, and access to Half Day and Wright Woods, and you completely different feel than Van Paten Woods does. And that, that's probably my most favorite uh, regional trail. And then as far as a, a trail, go, my favorite is uh, Rowland Savannah because um, it's such a great place to see birds, um, especially in the springtime. That's a huge stop for migratory birds and it's such a great example of a restoration um, that we, that the Forest Preserve has done. It's just a huge area that one of our largest restoration projects, we took this this uh, piece of land that was mostly farmed and took it and restored it hydrologically. It is a huge wetland in the middle of the Forest Preserve, middle of this trail loop, um, so you can see a lot of birds in the springtime or throughout the year, and the trail loop itself is three and a half miles long, too, so it's a nice nice trail loop, Um, and it really gets you out there for, for a considerable amount of time, too. What's one of the most unexpected or surprising things you've
1: seen on the trail?
0: There was one time that I was riding my bike in Old School Forest Preserve and came across a deer, and the deer ran away from me but stayed on the trail for you know, maybe 500 yards. So it ended up turning into this accidental chase where I was following the deer down the trail for a while. That was funny. But also one time just coming to a trail that was under construction and there was a sandhill crane pair walking the trail. Um, And that was a fun chance for me to share with uh, the people who were on site uh, for the construction and I could play a recording of their call and and the birds on the trail called back. And so it it ended up being a fun surprise where I didn't know that that was going to be part of my visit that day. Uh, I thought I was just going to focus on construction, but actually was able to uh, incorporate the Santo cranes into that.
1: to talk a little bit more about trail connections we have the Des Plaines River Trail or DPRT which runs 31.4 miles through more than more than 10 preserves we have the Millennium Trail which will weigh in in about 41 miles when it's complete and totals about 31 miles right now and please correct me if I'm wrong Nick. I think you're right <laughs> I'm <laughs> um, checking my spreadsheet yeah that's please, pretty close yeah. please do and these these systems have almost countless links to trails maintained by other agencies, state, uh, county, municipal. With so many branches in so many places, does this web affect public transportation in any way?
2: Yeah, I think uh, there's a, a lot of ways um, it, it does help with uh, public transportation because if you take the system as a whole, it's so much bigger. Um, we have 200 miles of trails, but if you connect in the McClory Trail, that's another trail that runs north to south through the, through, our, through, the, through the county. So you can get from Cook County all the way up into Wisconsin on one continuous trail system. And then you connect in um, the North Shore Trail, which connects to the McClory Trail on the east side of the county. And you can head that westbound. You can then connect with the Middle Fork Trail, which goes down through Middle Fork and Ello Farms, and you know across into the new bridge there, into into Lake Forest area, or you can continue west on North Shore Trail, and that connects to the Despluns River Trail, and ultimately in the future, it will connect to the Millennium Trail. And you can make one large group, and you take all that together. You're talking that's the majority of their communities within within uh, Lake County. That actually feeds into. Uh, another question I
1: have for you, Nick, with with a challenge. Let's say you're talking to a competitive cyclist, and they ask how you can how they can achieve the most mileage on one ride. The only limitation being they want to stay on trail as much as possible with with no backtracking. What's the longest route do you think they could take across the county?
2: Wow, that's a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> you I, give me my internet by the it's
1: it's just a just a general idea. It doesn't have to be exact.
2: Yeah. So um, in the future, that that probably will be when it's all connected. Would be the Millennium Trail all the way to the Desplaines River Trail, and maybe also other connections down to the south that, if they get built. But now, I would I would say um, it's probably a combination of the Desplaines River Trail and the North Shore Trail and the McClory Trail. Um, but you also could add in other loops to that. You could go down. Um, and do part of old school Forest Preserve um, and add those connections in. Um, Pence Grove and the Casey Trail and connect to the Prairie Crossing Trail, which connects them to the to Millennium Trail. So you, you could add a, quite a bit in already that that's there. Um, if you want, I can map it out for you sometime. <laughs> <laughs> we would, could we could we could post that. It'd be kind of cool. But uh, yeah, yeah, if you just working with the large shells together, those are the ones that you could you could pull off a pretty good at least over a fifty mile continuous ride just on trails.
1: It's an interesting exercise to me because we have so many connections with ourselves between preserves and also with with other agencies that you think, oh, well, I really could ride from Wakanda up to Libertyville for a bite to eat and then ride back. It'd be a healthy, a healthy distance, but you could do it. Thinking of those connections, how do we go about fostering those between ourselves and other agencies?
0: So sometimes the discussion starts uh, when a road is going to be redesigned or rebuilt by a Department of Transportation, and In the process, uh, they may be looking for easements or some other uh, parcels of land in order to make that new design possible. And then we might also be looking to connect to the paths that they're building along that new roadway. So then we work together on an agreement uh, on how we could connect our systems together. And so then that, that helps to... Uh, form that connection to you know within these
2: different agencies.
1: Michael, I heard you say a few minutes ago that trails could be called the circulatory system of the forest preserves. Can you elaborate on that uh, on that analogy a little
0: bit? Sure, so it uh, it's sort of it really is the way that like I had mentioned earlier that we can allow visitors to come in and see these places that they've helped preserve, but it's also used by our own staff. So the trails are used for education programs. you know they're used uh, as part of maintenance. they're used as part of of the public safety you know drive throughs and patrols to make sure that everything is safe in the preserves. so, uh, it, they really are arteries that are used for a lot of different things uh, to get out into you know, those forest preserves. And actually this this connects to
1: to both of you. I think um, I've heard you both touch on safe routes through the forest preserves of both um, designing and building it safely, but also as methods to keep the preserves safe by allowing access to our ranger, by providing access to our ranger police officers to patrol the preserves. Can can either or both of you speak a little bit more to
0: um, to the safety ex- aspects of the trails? I was just having a conversation yesterday with uh, some folks about our trails, and um, a lot of times our trails uh, might be wider than what you might see out in a national park, uh, and... One of the key reasons for that is a lot of times we're trying to build multi-use trails so that different kinds of users can use that trail. Um, In doing so, because they are wider and we have the stormwater drainage factors on either side sometimes where we are doing some ditching with culverts to keep the trail dry, um, it ends up opening up a corridor that is a little bit wider than what you might experience on a very narrow path. And so a number of trail users find that uh, to be more comfortable. They feel like they can see what's coming or what's to the side of them and what's behind them. And uh, so they, there's a visibility factor there uh, for those, the trails that we build in that method.
1: I'd like to go to a bit of a more personal note, which is what inspired both of you to, to work in this field?
2: Just being outdoors was me as a, as a, as a boy, um, just, uh, being up north, um, being outside, um, led me to maps. You know, that's if you're outside, especially up north, you're gonna have maps. And I was really led to topographic maps that the quadrangles that the USGS created. I really enjoy those maps. I said, how can I spend my career making stuff like that? And that's how I got into geographical information systems is my really enjoyment of being outside in that connection with mapping that and and finding your way using using maps. What components of mapping do you enjoy the most? I mean, what what grabs your attention? Really is the is people using them. That's I get the biggest kick out of people using my maps. And Michael, you might be the same too Is when it's cool if I get to see it and make it, but Actually, having especially like with the interactive trail map, having something that's used by so many people—that's where I get the the good feedback and the kickback. There is really having people use the maps and making it easier for someone to find something, or you know, find something new. That's it's a, there's the adventure part of me that wants to find something new, and mapping allows you to do that in some cases too. As a kid, I
0: played in the woods and the creeks in my neighborhood uh, and also the nature center that was the closest one to our home. And, but I also found myself looking at the spaces around my home and I would get plants from neighbors and I would enjoy planting them around the home and seeing the transformation and, uh, and also really liked art. So I, I just I was always interested in both art and science and the natural science behind what I was seeing when I was playing in the woods. And so when I combined those two together, I came up with landscape architecture as as a good fit for me. And then uh, I was at a previous job. I was inside most of the time. And there was one day when I thought, I just I need to get outside and get some nature. And so I took lunch at Independence Grove Forest Preserve. And I was so impressed by the design that I decided to look up to see who the forest reserves had hired to do the design and discovered that they did it in-house and they had their own staff of landscape architects. So I then went to the job posting page and there happened to be a posting for a landscape architect.
1: If there's a parting piece of, of wisdom or advice on how to use or appreciate the trail systems that we have in the Lake County Forest Preserves, what piece would you choose? I think just
0: uh, just choosing to get out and to use them. And once you're out there, you can discover how uh, what kind of experience you really like and, and how uh, you would like to Revisit them, and if it's if it's something that you do every Sunday, you know you go for a walk by yourself, or you go for a walk with family or friends, uh, and then it, it can become actually part of your your overall lifestyle. Um, but it can be part of of your health regimen and how you connect to the community around you. So I think just yeah, just choosing to carve that time out of our busy lives and and enjoying them because they're there you know they're there for you so that would be my advice
2: I think my advice would be um I have two young kids I think it's you know take a kid not you could take a kid fishing and people do that a lot but take a kid to a trail um you know because they're our next generation instill in them you know the preservation that we we have because of our trail system um and you know and eventually we'll have more trails for more people to to enjoy and and really our our the biggest aspect is trying to get as many people as possible to use our trails to have it to open to as many user groups um, um and to as many different people um, from all over you know the world that you know and by taking young people to our trails you know that's going to promote our trail system and promote our way of life, which is by building and maintaining and, and creating more trails. Yeah, and I think that that's a great point too, because I think
0: a lot of kids nowadays, they do their, instead of exploring the woods and the creeks like yeah. I did, they're exploring it digitally. And while the online gaming community, it can be very exciting and fun. Um, if you can actually bring the kids out into nature, where they can connect to nature, they're more likely to form a significant connection with nature and choose to become stewards of it in the future.
1: Words of the Woods is produced by me, Brett Pito. Thanks to Michael Haug and Nick Spittelmeister for participating in this episode. You can support the podcast by subscribing or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you prefer to listen. Remember to check out our website, lcfpd.org, where you can see everything we have to offer from interactive trail maps to improvement projects and everything in between. That's lcfpd.org. Thank you for listening. Today, take a moment get outside, and listen to what the woods are saying in your Lake County Forest Preserves. Okay, I have some bad news. What you just listened to is the final episode of Words of the Woods, Season 1. But don't worry, we'll be back in 2020 with Season 2 featuring more staff, more projects, and even more reasons to love your forest preserves. And in between, look for a few odds and ends coming your way. Trust me, the woods still have a lot to say. Words of the Woods is a production of the Lake County Forest Preserves in Libertyville, Illinois.